Happy Saturday, Robert. Happy Saturday to you. Happy Saturday, Robert. The last time we were together, we were uh, uh, in good. Uh, uh, please welcome. Yes. For I don't know the time, how many times this is, but we frequently Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Robert, for the Happy Saturday to you. Happy Saturday to you. Saturday to you. First spring. No matter what day it is, has dawned upon us. Also, weather there in beautiful Omaha, Nebraska. Happy Saturday, Robert. Happy Saturday to you. <laughs> I thought you were going to mix it up or something. <laughs> I was like, what's he going to say? I'm so glad that it's uh, Set Jetter Saturdays and not Set Jetter Monday mornings, uh, where it's just like, what do you want to talk about? Whatever. Mopey mornings of, yeah. Are you but, a Monday man? Um, no, and I'm not a morning man either. So, A man I, after my own heart. <laughs> I'll I'm fake my way man. through it if I have to, but... Yeah, I I'm not a morning man, and I've become so used to working from home where I can just wake up and start working that if I did ever have to go back to the office or when people will definitely have to go back, uh, it's going to be like going into boot camp. I'm just going to be like, what? How do I? I have to, I'm going to have to relearn everything. <laughs> it is a interesting. So I I've been obviously at the office most of the time, even during the pandemic. Uh, but just now I've started having. Uh, out of the office meetings and lunches again and it's like oh now i have to plan travel time you know a uh, half hour before and after to get where you need to be going and everything so it, it it will like you said we got we got used to uh we build habits pretty quickly yes yeah habits that are hard to break um we do have a great show tonight you're listening to the podcast we'll set jetter saturdays uh with us as always is robert patterson the uh Creator of the website set-jetter.com. Follow him on Instagram at set underscore jetter. And you've had a uh, pretty good week, I think, with posting content. It's been quite busy over at Set Jetter. Yeah. Um, and I know you posted a little quiz, I think, or something that might be on your personal webpage of guess this location. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was a deep cut. Nobody got it. Um, no. <laughs> well, I think I would... could have given better clues. I just uh. gave the location of the store with the still from the movie and unless you really knew that movie it's it's kind of a it's a quick cutaway scene of the exterior yeah that's true um but it was there was a the picture i posted had a big marijuana sign billboard on top which i feel like is like super distracting uh because people just focus on that but the the answer was war games which you've posted Uh, and I, i i went to imdb and i was looking up the trivia and somebody posted, um, yeah, the arcade, the Grand Palace, is now at Chase Bank, directly next to it, right next door is the high school. And I'm like, that is not true at all. <laughs> so I edited it, and then I delete, and I put, like, incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> because Chase Bank is, of course, like, a few, you know, it's like a block away. Yeah. And the high school is a good, you know, quarter mile up the road. I mean, it's close, but it's not yeah. right next door. I think the high school they shot at was in El Segundo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's where yeah IMDb you can kind of only half trust and actually and there's a lot of stuff out there you can only half trust and I've been duped before where I see something and I'm like oh it must be here and I go and and I'm like well this isn't it at all but somehow it got through exactly yeah I think IMDb just because there's so much it's hard to moder- moderate that so people can just throw in anything and would really get would I, I find finding a lot more on IMDb. I don't know if you go to the. Do you go to IMDb a lot? Uh, yeah, sometimes, and it's interesting. 
I, I'm always curious because like sometimes I'll be like, I know the first to find a location and I'll post it, whatever. And then uh, a few weeks later, that location will now be on IMDb. And I was like, well, who, who does that? I wonder. Yeah. 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 yeah, who is that? It's not me, Robert, if that's what we're okay. getting at. Which is fine, I guess, and stuff like that. But I was just like, I was like, well, somebody's paying attention somewhere. It's it's submitted by the Clark Jetter, and yes, it's me so with a mustache going, hello, I was at these sites, and it's just I, me yeah, photoshopping. I was there, but... The, but the thing I see on IMDb a lot is stuff that's not related to the movie that's just kind of annoying. You know, it's like uh, War Games was a perfect example. It was like the computer used was a, you know, PA3X2. Okay. That, that makes sense. Similar to the 1972 computer. And I'm like, ah, they're just rambling. Just, they want to have their information out there. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but we've got a great show tonight. Tonight we're going to be discussing um, uh, Do They Still Hold Up? The highest grossing films of 1991. I did watch one of these um, last night to get ready. Oh. And um, honorable mentions, of course. And these are all uh, according to Box Office Mojo. Um, but you, you mentioned, you, you put in the, the topic, Lysi's story. I just read something on this. What's your thoughts on this? Um, and I just started, I, I watched like the first half of the first episode. So um, I didn't realize it was going to be released. So obviously it's based on the Stephen King uh, book. And there's a lot of Stephen King parallels. So obviously Julianne Moore um, is the lead in this. And she was the lead in, not the lead, but uh, she played uh, Mrs. White in the Carrie remake and uh, Joan Allen uh, is also in this, and she was in the Stephen King, I can't remember the name of that uh, kind of sh- obscure movie about her and her husband. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, the more I kept thinking about um, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh is in this, and of course she was in Dolores Claiborne. So it has all these um, parallels and stuff like that. And opening credits re- reminded me of 112263. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, to, to kind of see uh, what this is all about. So, I'm we'll curious, too. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, and I know Joan Allen's character is the sister in this. Correct. Which is, she has, you know, she's there's some mental issues going on there in the book that are that are pretty graphic and, you know, interesting. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how this plays out. I think I'm going to watch it, too. Is this on uh, HBO? I think it is Paramount Plus. <laughs> Finally, if Paramount Plus believe, is giving us a bone. If you can believe that, I think we should double check that. But uh, yeah, because for some reason I thought, I'm like, oh, is this going to be a stand 2.0? Uh, but, you know, usually you can't go wrong with Julianne Moore and, no. and the, rest of the, the rest of that cast. So uh, imagine uh, nothing against the, the, uh, the stand remake cast, but imagine if we had kind of the caliber of Julianne Moore's and Clive Owen's uh, in that uh, series, it'd be a little bit different, I think. I agree. Yeah, I would even go as far as saying Julianne Moore is an underrated actress. Her performance in like Game Change, Sarah Palin, nailed it. You know? Oh yeah, he has a good range. No, yeah, and of I, course Hannibal. <laughs> oh, I don't there's, have my. There's a baby. <laughs> don't shoot the baby. You swear too. <laughs> uh, I used to. <laughs> You're trying to catch him, aren't you, detective? Uh, I, I actually I did enjoy her Clarice uh, probably more than I should have, but me too. I enjoy that movie. I, I think if it wasn't so beautifully shot too, it wouldn't be that great. But I, like it's shot in Italy, and they just do such a great job with the cinematography in Hannibal. 
Um, yeah, cinematography, the music, um, it was certainly more haunting than Silence of the Lambs, mm. and certainly loads better than there was a new episode of Clarice this week, and whew. <laughs> did it disappoint, or did it raise your expectations? Uh, it raised my expectations. Of course, we keep going back to the well, literally, uh, <laughs> uh uh, now uh, to uh, to Buffalo Bill's mom, you know we could we have to go visit her and stuff like that, and it just it keeps going back. And like literally, I I can't think of a worse FBI agent than Clarice Starling in in this version. Yeah, uh, I, it, she's I, just why is she an FBI agent? Like, how did she get to where she is? There's a whole slew of people. I'm like, how's the FBI still in business if this is the way it works? But I was just like. <laughs> I was like, oh, no wonder. And, and Hannibal, I remember in the book that she was Clarice was the characters criticized and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I see why now. Like, if this is the version that we were given, <laughs> uh, yeah. And there, what are we doing? Was, yeah. Like, How did well, they no. get funding for that? <laughs> so yeah, but we're trudging through it, and of course, we're anxiously awaiting that uh, season two after season one ends. So with bated breath, we can't wait. Can't wait to see what happens. So. Hey. Have you watched? Um, I think it's it's HBO Max. I think um, Mayor of Easttown. I have not. Well, I just watched it. I, I binged it. Yeah. Um, I got to give credit to Kate Winslet for pulling off the southeastern Pennsylvania accent. I did um, read about that. They just said it was very specific, and she she got it down. She nailed it, um, and she nailed it appropriately. At the like, it wasn't like a a, a character of it because I tried to hide my southeastern Pennsylvania accent a lot. <laughs> But, you know, we instead of phone, we, you know, we'll say the phone and, and you know, home and, and you know, where are they going to go and use guys. Um, and the other characters did a really bad job with it. Oh, it was like so it two on out. the nose. You know, like the guy from American Horror Story was in it. He's a great actor, but, you know, he's just like, are we going home? And they're all drinking <laughs> yinglings. And I'm like, not people. Most people don't like yingling from that area. Yeah. It's like it's like drinking Budweiser. It's like piss beer. But she nailed it. She did a great job. And uh I feel like they it was a it was a really good limited series and it was really well done but I feel like the art direction and everything they really did their homework to the nice. little details and uh yeah you should check it out if you have time it, well, it, you know it, what? it roped me in that makes a difference yeah I've heard great things about it and I do feel like I need to dedicate a weekend so I can probably watch it all at once but um the importance of cinematography and and I'm thinking of it because I just finished watching The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Mm. And that movie is one, I didn't watch it in a theater, but I made my house a theater with my big TV. Um, the same and experience. Surround sound on. But it is made, I mean, they they nailed it with the cinematography. And there was the typical jump scares, um, but they know how to frame a shot and how to, uh, it reminds me of the original Halloween where you, the screen is wide and anything you're looking in the corners to kind of see what happens and it's dark. You can't see everything. And, and that's, that's the way movies should be made. The horror movies, I think. hundred percent agreed. Yeah. The widescreen and lots of shadows, what's going to creep in. Um, that's how you want to watch it. It's how, what you're used to, you know, and visually yeah. it works for the experience. Absolutely. Um, got a good show tonight before we get into the, Top 10, I wanted to, uh, of 1991, I wanted to ask you just a quick question. I put this in the thread, and it's been a burning question, but the set jetter is the most appropriate man to answer for all things film. 
So I need to ask you, Robert, do they need to still keep making Godzilla movies? <laughs> it's like Charlie's Angels of monster movies. Like, do we need do we keep need do we need to keep doing these? It's like Mission Impossibles. They're shooting like number seven. They're like, how many of these do we need? Uh, well, am so, I wrong? Uh, for Godzilla and Charlie's Angels, no, you're not wrong. And and I watched oh. the latest reiterations of both. So. Uh, so for the Godzilla, because I think it was a HBO Max thing, I'm like, well, let me check this out, and I didn't, haven't really cared kind of for the the last ones. I kind of didn't. I had the, I did enjoy uh, Kong Skull Island because I thought mm-hmm. uh, that they kind of, they had fun with that, and um, like all these movies, it kind of went on too long, and the, the Kong versus Godzilla just kind of hit new heights of ridiculousness. Of uh, I was looking for. <laughs> Michael Bay, uh, where he helped out in this film or something, because uh, who's the Stranger Things actress that? Uh, yeah, that plays Eleven. Y- yeah, um, yeah, and Bobby, that, well, um, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not even sure why she was in this movie. I'm like, they could have excised that kind of a whole subplot and just kind of cinched it down too. But I just kind of felt like, I don't know. So no, I think um, I think it's like. <laughs> It's kind of like a lot of things they keep trying to. Well, let, let's go back to that title again and see what we can do this time. Let's see. What, let's give people what they really want. And I'm like, none of us want none of us want these it. things. <laughs> no, I think they got Millie Bobby Brown the same reason they got the Finn Wolfhard kid from Stranger Things and Ghostbusters. Oh. It's they're straight off of Stranger Things during production, so they're like, just put them in the movie. People yeah. will watch it. Um, but yeah, King Kong is different. I feel like people like King Kong. It's more of a classic american tale and you know a love story where godzilla really started off as a japanese post-world war ii kind of monster with the radiation and if you remember the original godzilla movies i mean they're hilarious it's a guy obviously in a suit but the the extra characters were like mecha godzilla and you know um whatever the 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 mothra yeah you know it was all these crazy beasts and they like kind of went away and then you know, the 80s, they try to do one. And then, of course, the awful Matthew Broderick, Broderick one. And then they did that other one. And I feel like every 10 years, they're, they're trying to, like, bring it back. But nobody's really, like, it's not sticking. No. People aren't, like, asking for it. <laughs> it's the Warren Beatty, Dick Tracy of Godzilla films. They, <laughs> just, they just have to keep doing it. Just feed them a little bit every 10 years. Speaking of King Kong, that's the one time I really did fall for an April Fool's Day joke. So, uh I, I remember uh, years ago they re- they said uh, that Peter Jackson's going to release a shorter version of his King Kong uh, for to into theaters. Oh no! And, and for some reason, like I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea because it would, and I don't know why I fell for that one, but <laughs> a shorter version, right? The the three hour. Yeah, it? it was well. The three hour was a torturous. I'm like, what are we Ugh. doing with this film? But <laughs> that was torturous. And it it was because um, you know he was straight off of Lord of the Rings that mm. he's like you can do anything you want. <laughs> so it was like three hours of King Kong shot in New Zealand. Editors be damned. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> I, I do to this day still enjoy the 1976 King Kong. That's like I, my favorite one. Oh, absolutely. So and I, I rewatched that actually twice uh, in the past month with the the new Blu-ray that came out, and oh, nice. they uh, had the TV extended version. Uh, uh, with uh, they, I think they were actually able to find the original negatives or something like that, so it looked pretty good uh, to see all that. But yeah, Charles Grodin, Jessica Lang, um, love her. Yeah, it was uh, uh, th- that that's still one of my favorites. Yeah, and I still love the um, the sequences. Even 
as dated as they are with him in New York picking up the, the you know the train car and stuff like that. <laughs> and of course, we spoke about this the the other King Kong in that movie, the uh. forty foot mechanical one with the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my board. favorite is when he's like dropping. Uh-huh. He's just dropping. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rick Baker talked about that when because I obviously they shot the the robotic. I say robotic, uh, King Kong uh, first, uh, life size, and then when he came in, and they said, "No, you have to drop it like this," <laughs> <laughs> so it matches. <laughs> so ridiculous, but so much fun. It is. It is. All right. So these are the uh, the highest grossing films of 1991, according to Box Office Mojo. Straight out of the gate is, without a doubt, the definition of a blockbuster. Terminator Two, Judgment Day. <laughs> So you, unsurprisingly, so I saw this in the theater, of course, opening night, and um, I did. You were probably way too young at that time for for this. I was too young for Terminator yeah. Two. I remember the clout and the hype around it, but I was too young to like go see it. Yeah. So it, it when I saw this title, and I had rewatched it not too long ago, but uh, kind of won the excitement because there was there was hype built up around this movie, and it was a movie that lived up to the hype, and then. Obviously, uh, when you talk about a true roller coaster of a film and the effects that we had never quite seen before, and it was it was amazing. And so, um, but yeah, so it to me it still holds up. Um, I think it still holds up as uh, it's usually still used as a kind of a litmus test for action films. Like this is the one to to beat. I agree too. Yeah, uh, definitely still holds up for me. It's great. It's a great film. Um, visually, it was revolutionary at the time for the special effects. Classic to James Cameron, and Robert has uh, Terminator 2 on his website. Check that out. Um, I, I, do, I do enjoy this movie quite well. Next <laughs> is one that I watched last night, and I saw in the theater five times, Robert. Oof. Five <laughs> times. don't even know what to say about that. I had action figures. I had the soundtrack. Everything I did, I did it for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in 1991. And this movie still holds up in that it was cheesy at the time. It's cheesy now. But it's still if you enjoyed it in the original run, you're gonna enjoy it again. I, I did not enjoy it in the original run, but uh I'd be curious as to what the big lure uh for you that's that obviously still is. There was there was something um, to it, yeah. Originally it was Dances with Wolves. He came right off of that. And I liked the Robin Hood Disney movie as a kid. So I, this was like kind of uh but when it first came out, I was like, it was like a fun action movie, and the kids could still watch it, um, but it was still gritty. Um, but last night, what I enjoyed after rewatching it for the first time in a long time, are um, is the music and the action sequences when he's like has the flaming arrow and he's like, mm-hmm. like launching it at soldiers. I'm like, yeah, it's Kevin Costner. <laughs> was that the poster too? I think wasn't it? It's got or an all star cast. Yeah, Alan Rickman is in it, and. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Kevin Costner is ironically like the weakest link in that because he doesn't Not do ironically. an English accent. <laughs> and I forget the director, but um, it, it, the, basically when I was reading about the production was he just came off of Dance with Wolves. So they're like, just give him, like he has to do this movie because he's yeah. like the biggest star. But um, Rickman, Alan Rickman, arguably steals the show as the sheriff. As he usually does in every movie that he is in. He's great. Was in. Yeah. So. Was, yeah. Uh, next is, no, that's incidental. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. I think we both agree this still holds up. 
It does. Uh, there, there's there's some parts when I do revisit it, it's a little more creaky uh, than I kind of remember. But uh, but as a whole, and I've I've good nostalgia kind of wrapped around it. And obviously, it won Oscars, multiple Oscars, for a reason uh, between the performances and uh, and everything. We were just it was on the other day, and I think we were talking. I was talking to my sister about uh, the ending scene, uh, which is is down in Panama, I think, or I can't remember where they shot that. But mm. uh, obviously, it's like a what three shot scene. I mean, there's not too much, and they, I know I know the the entire crew did go down there for that. Where it, it literally could be filmed probably in Venice, California, and you would be none the wiser. That's true. <laughs> But uh, the, the time. Yeah. So that's kind of like the Adam Sandler version of like, um, I want to go to Hawaii. So <laughs> let's make a movie that takes place there. So, yeah, they but, really did shoot down there. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, one, it still holds up. Um, I have not been, but uh, there's new owners to the Buffalo Bill House that now are opening it up as kind of an Airbnb. So you can stay in the Buffalo Bill House, which I think would be Ooh. kind of fun. That would be fun. That'd be really cool. Some good shots, too. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs is, uh, well, it can be quite the fun movie if you have the right guide. <laughs> it's really good. Um, Mayor of Easttown does, uh, I won't, won't tell you what it is, but you'll, you'll notice if you watch it, there's, um, there's one episode where they do almost like, a, it's a nod to Silence of the Lambs, clearly, but it's like a tribute to Clarice Starling, um, gotcha. which is pretty cool. And nice. I want to give a, a shout out to th- listeners that have not heard of Silence, the musical. Uh, if you're into kind of mm. uh, semi raunchy parodies of movies, uh, this would be well worth your time. And I was uh, lucky to go see it uh, in New York uh, at off off Broadway uh, showing. Yeah, that was cool. You sent me that. It's pretty interesting. Not as good as Dom DeLuise and Silence of the Hams. <laughs> Oh, I love Silence of the Hams, and the hopefully soon it'll be coming. <laughs> Are those your drawings? <laughs> Did you ever watch Loaded Weapon? Oh yes, I. Well, you kind of watched all those at the time they came out because, and that's actually kind of that's obviously on the low side of. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, no. Good Even job. in the movie Loaded Weapon, they're like, so he's doing hot shots and you're doing this movie to a million west of this. <laughs> like, they know that it's bad. Yeah, but hey, they have houses to pay for. So. Exactly. Speaking uh, of, speaking of um, <laughs> City Slickers is number four on the highest grossing films of 91. This I did see theatrically. Oh, I did uh, not. It does still hold up for me. I watched it maybe in the last, it was sometime over the, the quarantine and it's still a fun comedy that's witty and adventurous. So yes, um, not for me. And maybe I was too. Uh, I was a twenty-one-year-old Moody Smiths guy. That that just wasn't happening for me. City slickers, but well, it's better than Curly's Gold. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Is that City Slickers too? Yeah, the Legend yeah, of oh, Curly's yeah, Gold. Yeah, oh, that's right. So well, yeah, money's to be made. Yeah. Hey, whatever. Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I feel like Australia should apologize to the U.S. for the for Paul Hogan. They probably Canada would have done it if it came from Canada. I'm sure. But. Of course, yeah. Um, Sleeping with the Enemy, Julia Roberts. Who we're starting to get to early '90s thrillers, mm. um, and this one, obviously, Julia Roberts was uh, moving to the top of her game. She probably could do whatever she wanted at this mm-hmm. point too. So, yeah, um, it's. Uh, <laughs> I do keep my towels and my cans uh, in my kitchen exactly like that, so I don't see what the issue was. But 
Exactly. Yeah. I do too. I'm very organized OCD. So to me, that's just being, being clean and neat. Yeah. And I, I giggle because I know that scene when she comes in, the towels are messed up. She's, or I think they're straightened up and she freaks out. I'm like, well, I would freak out if they were all messed up. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it still holds up in the sense visually and everything, but there's a lot of elements of the story that really wouldn't be made today. No. That would be unacceptable, not only by film standards, but also like the resources, you know, somebody <laughs> like that would have. So I, I feel like it doesn't hold up. Yeah. But there was hints of, uh, of, Sleeping with the Enemy and The Invisible Man, latest remake, of course. Yeah, you're right. They I, they they hinted at it. Yeah, to the point I was also thought that uh, he would straighten up her towels or something. There would be a, a scene or something like that, but maybe that's a deleted scene <laughs> in The Invisible Man. I just think it's not as as good a film as Memoirs of an Invisible Man <laughs> with Chevy Chase. Oh, and I revisited that not too long ago too. I like that you covered that. You're a completist. I yeah, I'm not sure why I did. Well, I'm a I would say I'm a John Carpenter fan, and I think I mm-hmm. happen to be in San Francisco, and I'm like, well, here it is. When in Rome? Yeah. When are you going to do it again? Um, Adam's Family is the sixth highest grossing film of '91. This is Angelica Houston, Raul Julia, a young Christina Ritchie, Christopher Lloyd, all star cast. Is Joan um, Cusack in this one or the sequel? I can't remember. Well, or both. I think she might be in this one. Yeah. So uh, I haven't seen this in a long time, but I did see this theatrically, and you know, it was fun. I enjoyed it, but I was also eleven, so yeah, ten. Well, so make what you will. <laughs> and this was a time where TV shows from that era were being churned into movies uh, just on name recognition. Like every mm. time you turn around, and I think we got the Beverly Hillbillies and. Uh, it just kept kind of going on and on. We, as we talk about, maybe the '90s is the code word is going back to the well. That I think this, so. This is what we're doing for people. Yeah, and you're going to see more and more TV shows that come out uh, in the '90s decade that were movies that made of TV shows. Um, next, we have Naked Gun Two and a Half: The Smell of Fear. <laughs> Uh, I, I still enjoy all of these movies, and they still hold up for me. The this film, uh, not not as much as the first one, but I still, it's still fun. I do too. Um, there's usually enough giggles. Uh, it moves fast enough that if when jokes do fall flat, there's another one right around the corner. That's that's worse. That's what it is. They back it up immediately. If you didn't like this, <laughs> hold on to your pants, kids, because <laughs> Leslie Nielsen has another one. And this is noted at on the set setdashjetter.com. Uh, on set archives, Naked Gun two and a half, uh, shot around Los Angeles. Yep, a lot of uh, Paramount Studios, of course, which uh, d- d- uh, released the film. Who was uh, this man? That's my dad. Oh, right nice. there At Paramount Studios. Yeah. Usually, I, I would include people into my pictures, but he's allowed, of course. The Blue Note, of course, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it shot in the Warner Brothers. Yeah, so they did. Uh, it's always kind of funny when, obviously, studios kind of don't, they'll, they'll go whatever works or what is kind of open. So they do switch back and forth between studios. You think they would not do that? And they, I'm sure they didn't in, in the early days. Just I wouldn't think so, yeah. Go to each other's studios. But uh, probably the rule is whatever's cheapest is, is where, where they will go. Whatever's cheapest, whatever's yeah. available. Uh, it's a great, another great shot. There's the juice. He had an interesting <laughs> career after this movie. Uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting uh now when <laughs> it's always interesting when things happen and people show up in films that you're like ooh, you know like do we still enjoy are we still laughing 
Is this still okay? Yeah, is this still okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Uh, next on the list is... Does Naked Gun 2 still hold for you? Oh, it does. It yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, ooh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. This, the Secret of the Ooze. Which basically, if you haven't seen it, it sums up to the turtles finding a huge canister of ooze, <laughs> and the secret is that they came from the ooze. And the shredder lives in a, in a, in a junkyard. That sounds fantastic. It would be I'm if there was sure. a lot of action sequences, but <laughs> mentioned on the last show, they got a lot of complaints because the first one was dark, so yeah. they toned down the violence where it's them just jumping around saying things like, let's get some pizza, dude, and they like dispatch all the Foot Clan with like a kick and never really use their weapons, and Vanilla Ice is in it. Oh. Yeah. So this is the Batman Forever of the Teenage Mutant oh. Ninja Turtles. Yes. Gotcha. Absolutely. And the third one, they didn't go back to the Wild West, but they did go back to wild sixteen <laughs> hundred samurai Japan. So, so following there, we, there we go. Yeah. Uh no, it does not hold up. It never did for me. Never did. But uh, back to it did. Yep. Uh this for me still holds up. I recently watched this again. Um, and it's still some some dated love scenes, but overall it's still a good movie. <laughs> it's really not known for their love scenes though, is it? I guess the fire truck. No, yeah, but I mean, they make out on a fire truck, and then the fire <laughs> truck gets dispatched to a fire, and they're still on the top. Like, hold on for the ride. Yeah. What? So you're you're impeding <laughs> rescue operations by making out on a fire truck. You know, I wonder if there's a video because you know there's a lot of videos out there now, like lawyers watching movies and saying this is true, this is ridiculous, and so I wonder if there's one out with you know firefighters saying. This could happen. This is not. But I do know. I remember. I remember Universal used to have a pretty good backdraft show, uh, that you know, kind of a walkthrough show that they have since dismantled for something Transformers, I think. But oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I think it still holds up, and we'll never have a movie using this much real fire again. I mean, just Mm-mm. one is kind of not necessary. So I think it should be appreciated for the uh, how much real stuff that they did. I agree, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think at the time, Ron Howard incorporated a lot of, like, actual firefighters to make it, like, you know, the authenticity is there. And it was praised by, like, you know, firemen's associations and stuff like that as, like, very realistic. Like, they were respectful to the job. It wasn't, yeah. you know, crazy. Um, and Hot Shots. <laughs> 1991. War. <laughs> it's fantastic. See what Naked Gun did? Now we're just getting... And it this made the top happened. 10, which is crazy. See, I don't remember Hot Shots as much as I remember Hot Shots Part Do. Do yeah, I think the title. It's kind of like Electric Boogaloo too. You know, you remember the subtitle. More yeah, right. Than anything, so. Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, this this is still a fun movie. I've seen it not too long ago. It still holds up if you enjoyed it the first time. I haven't I haven't seen it in a while, so I've, I have no comment on that one. I'm, I'm limited with that kind of humor. Like, if it's a true spoof, uh, to me, they don't always age well. Because it uses a lot of contemporary references at the time. Yeah. But it still has some fun, like, war. They spoof war movies that are classic, so it works. You'll be watching something, and and they'll have a Walter Mondale joke, and people will be like, who the hell is that? You know, like... Joan Collins just walked in. Who? I think it was Naked Gun 2, where um, Zsa Zsa smacks the... uh, the thing at the beginning it was like and and people are probably like who the hell is that yeah who is this (laughs) why is this why is this the capper to the credits 
is is a naked gun or a naked gun two and a half where she slaps him and then like the third hand or the foot slaps him like he grabs both hands oh i think it's naked gun two where she the, yeah yeah and then the is it a foot or a third hand slap i think like, so oh. yeah i think it's a third hand if i remember yeah. right so and and those yeah that's comedy gold come on it is comedy gold people um honorable mentions uh We've mentioned this in the last show, Dances with Wolves. Um, I, yeah, this still holds up for me. I still think it's a classic. And it, I think it was a, released in 90, but obviously near the end, and that, it, technically it did make the kind of top 10 of 91, even though it was a 90 movie. They were very selfish for doing these movies and not taking in consideration a podcast 30 years later <laughs> that would be dissecting these. Um, I really I think it's inappropriate. I know. I, I've been good. I've been going through and looking at dates to try to get the true 91 films uh, so we're not giving right. credit credit's not due. And we can thank Costner for Alexander Skarsgård, uh, his butt shots and everything, because Costner did that in Dances with Wolves and Prince of Thieves. <laughs> All those nine-year-olds watching that movie, they got a taste of, of Costner, young, creamy Costner. Just open it up, and then later I'll be talking to somebody else, an actor that kind of ruined it for everybody else uh, later in the podcast, but Ooh. as we go through 91. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, still holds up. Next is Beauty and the Beast. Um, yeah, this still holds up. Uh, I saw this theatrically right after I saw Fire in the Sky. Oh, we didn't put that on. <laughs> but um, I, I like Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I feel like true. Disney movies, it's, the, it's one of the classics. It is, and it's uh, still old-style animation, and mm-hmm. the, uh, it's the songs uh, more than anything, I think, uh, during this era that really made the film. Agreed, and I think there's only 11 minutes or something in the whole movie that aren't that do not have a song or music with it. It's, it's very, you know, it's very music-centric. Uh, yeah. Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> it's not a tumor. It's not a, it's not a tumor. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> uh, oh. I still like this movie. It still holds up for me. And I know people have been to these locations. I think I was nearby and I didn't go to visit. I can't remember where it was shot. Maybe it was Vancouver, maybe it was Oregon or something like that. But mm. I just remember, uh, the, the other, I know the other memorable line is little Michael Hughes uh, has the, from Pet Cemetery and New Nightmare. Yeah. Was it? Boys have and, a penis. And women have a vagina or something like that. Yeah, Girls have a vagina. vagina. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, excuse ah. me. I forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> my name is John Kimball, and I love my car. Yo, man, I'm just going to keep an eye on it for you, all right? It's very, uh, it's gritty, washed-up cop, uh, Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah, well, he's same great. thing. He has house payments, so come on. Yeah, hey, <laughs> he's, he's the best. Um, next is arguably one of the greatest works from 91, Madonna's Truth or Dare. It was the highest-grossing documentary up until I can't remember what beat it uh, a while later. But yeah, it was it was the highest-grossing documentary, even though it didn't even make the top ten. But it kind of shows you how well, how not well documentaries did. But um, yeah, we talked about this last time, and actually, Kevin Costner is kind of dissed in this movie, but she she did for she did uh, apologize to him later. Was he dissed because he said something about her? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, they came back. He came backstage after the show, and he's like, "Yeah, we, we, we thought your show was really neat." And she's like, "Neat, neat." She's that's. She says, "I never heard it quite descri- described quite that way." And he's like, "Well, we got to go." And she's all right. Not neat, this isn't neat enough for you. And he's like, "Oh, we got something." And so, 
Um, and then yeah. he walked away. He's not even out of earshot. And she turns around and like, neat. Anybody that calls my shows neat has to go. And then she made a gagging. Good that for her. Like, Stick yes. up for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it was the highest grossing film uh, documentary of all time until Bowling for a Columbine. So yep. that's that okay. says something. Uh, also, too, neat and nice are like two words you should never use like <laughs> to describe things because they're so generic and bland. You know, yeah. it's like saying, "How's your? How do you like my house?" It's uh, it's a house. It's there. That's that's my that's my movie reviews. It's a movie. It's it's a movie. <laughs> I've been saying that too. How was it? Yeah, it's it's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I like saying if uh, you don't want to commit the plans, hey, I'm getting have a gather get together on the seventeenth. Year round? Yeah, it's an option. Yeah, all right. It's an option. Yeah. I'll see where I am. <laughs> we'll see where I am that night. Um but yeah, Madonna's Truth or Dare, check it out. This was directed by um Alec Kashishian. Yep. He did a he ended up doing a movie after that, and I know he used her song with Joe Pesci with honors, I think it was. So Ugh, I, with honors. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, this bum's living in the basement. We got to befriend him to get my thesis back. Oh. Yeah. I think he should stick to documentaries. <laughs> Have you seen With Honors? Uh, no, I've seen clips, I think. And is it Joe, does he wear like a yellow hoodie in that one? If yeah, he wears a hoodie for yeah. some of the movie. And I, I saw that in the movie theater. And even as a kid, I'm like, this sucks. My sister would probably be listening to this because I would. All, anytime she wears a yellow hoodie, I call her Joe Pesci. I think it's because of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 not for everybody, I guess. <laughs> the film. Uh, Cape Fear. You know, Robert, I have actually never watched this movie. It, it is a prettily, the prettily, pretty dramatically directed movie, uh, which uh, should it be able to go wrong you know got jessica lang and juliette lewis and robert de niro and nick nolte but it's mm. it's kind of overdone for me uh oh, really? some of the yeah the uh it's just it's verging on a lifetime movie kind of bombastic oh <laughs> between the music and the kind of drama i was like oh i think we could have had a, a more low-key thriller but they overdid it a little bit. I think so, and I don't know. So obviously, this is a remake, um, and the original was in black and white. So sometimes when that happens, they just kind of do bigger, better, kind of like the the Psycho remake. You know, let's make this as colorful as possible uh, for right. audiences. And um, with with those actors, you I don't think you need all that kind of noise. I don't think so. I think with that that cast, you can play down a little bit. You don't have to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> Like M. Night Shyamalan's trailer for the new movie, Old. Oh. Um, which we'll, we'll, we'll both watch, I'm sure. But uh, I've I, seen all his films, theatrically. Uh, how, well, should we just gauge our level of disappointment that we think we're going to have? <laughs> yeah, I just... One, we'll talk about another show. But one, he, he, didn't film, he didn't film in Philadelphia, so he's trying to do something different, which is, is good. Do your thing. But then, too, I feel like it's going to be one of those movies where the trailer is better than the film and actually tells you the whole story. That's what I'm afraid of, too. Like, you, you kind of want to... Well, we watch the trailer because I'm like, hey, let's see what this is about. And then mm -hmm. uh, we're smart enough. We can see characters. I'm like, well, obviously, we, this is going to happen to this character. And so uh, are, are we going to spend the first 20 minutes waiting around for the film to start? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Most likely. Uh 
That is funny. Uh, or next, we we waited around ninety minutes for Lady in the Water to start, and it never. Oh. <laughs> and I love Paul Giamatti too. I mean, he did a good job, but you're just like, so much more could have been done out of Lady in the Water. Like absolutely. that whole concept of fairy tales that there just could have been more done. Oh, absolutely. You know, speaking uh, of fairy tales, that's a good point. Uh, it's a movie. <laughs> next is Hook. This is. Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman. This does not age well for me. It's uh, I enjoyed it as a kid. I enjoyed it theatrically, yeah. but um, it's got the kid from Dick Tracy in it. Loved it as a kid, but I watched it not too long ago, and it just it feels like a kid's movie to me. We're getting into it's disappointing in Spielberg because this is kind of mm-hmm. a soft wash '90s look to it, where everything's kind of a little hazy, um, and it kind of yes. felt I don't want to say overcooked. Maybe um, we don't. We don't need to throw all of our favorite things into to the movie at the same time, and but yeah, it never worked for me to begin with. But. Yeah, yeah, it does not hold up. Bob Hoskins is Smee, I think. I think so, yeah. But I mean, the characters are the actors are great, but it's uh, it's just it's uh, weird. I'd like to do a little aside. I don't know. Did you see the uh, Peter Pan musical live uh, a couple years ago? On, yeah, on ABC or whatever. I. You, I enjoyed that so much for right? its awfulness that I even have it on DVD. Yeah. Yeah. That you what? I even have it on DVD. <laughs> it was really bad. It was awful. I just, yeah, but I, it was enjoyable. I, I had such an enjoyable night just cackling at uh, and yeah. some of my favorite moments because I know I mean, it's live, and so obviously you're looking for things where the camera or something light shows up on, on frame, and, and it does. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's one of my favorites. And Christopher Walken at his absolutely... Uh, I don't. You could literally see him walking off to grab his paycheck at the end of every scene. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He knew. Yeah, let's get the paycheck. Yep. He'll be back in ten minutes, folks. After this next trip to the bank, <laughs> deposit more boatloads of money. That's right. He actually. Oh, he wanted cash. He wasn't messing around. <laughs> he. Yeah, just cash. He's from the right old now. school era. Yeah. I need cash right now, or I'm not coming back. Yeah, give him what he wants. Just, people are next tuning in for him. <laughs> Uh, next on the list is the redemption of the Star Trek uh, series, the Undiscovered Country, Star Trek VI. Still holds up for me. Um, I uh, This is one of the first Laserdiscs that I bought, because uh, I remember it had kind of great Ooh. sound and great visual effects. And um, But yeah, and I remember, I keep admitting to this at every podcast, I had to go see this one by myself. Nobody would go see this with me. Really? That is one, surprising. They probably weren't Star Trek fans. And not that I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And two, no, but, if they were, yeah. they they probably remembered Star Trek Five, and they're like, "Yeah, we're not." Uh, <laughs> yeah, five. We're not going. Four to that. was good. Five took a hit with ridiculousness, and then is the undiscovered country where they took a cue, or it was similar to Hunt for Red October with the language change. Yes. Uh, yeah, because when Wait they're on and the uh, Klingon, whatever, they're kind of listening on headphones, and as they kind of they morph. The kind of point of view and stuff like this, which is to, to English, for the audience. Yeah, right. What, what is Star Trek Six the last one with the original cast? The full cast. The full and cast. Then, I mean, yeah, this last one, and then yeah, the next one was Star Trek Generations, and that was obviously a little bit of obviously Kirk at the as the bookend, and uh, a couple other, but uh, but yeah, so this is and that should have been yeah, it was the it was a good bookend, and they brought back Nicholas Meyer who directed Star Trek Two. 
which is everybody's kind of favorite Star Trek, and he and Meyer uh, co-wrote, I think, uh, Star Trek Four. So, he, for some reason, he I think he kind of brought a non Star Trek mentality, and people kind of respond to that. That um, and he he did speaking of Hunt Red for for October that he treated the Enterprise as a submarine. Of, and so there's a an, or kind of a naval type of ship. And so that's why uh, it seems more like a working ship rather than kind of a a cruise. <laughs> the cruise. Yeah. Well, you know, in Star Trek Next, the, the next generation does have that cruise ship feel of beiges and uh, yeah. spas and, you know. <laughs> right. There's a buffet that sweaty yeah. hands have been in. Come on up to the deck. Oh, that'd be perfect. The Star Trek buffet. Have you? I would like a Star Trek buffet. Have you ever been on a cruise? I have not. No, I haven't either. I don't think I, I'll ever go. I was trying to think what would lure to me. There might be kind of like a horror movie cruise, but even then, I'd be like, uh, I can, yeah. I can barely stay in a hotel with convention goers uh, over a weekend. I don't know. I can be trapped on a cruise. Convention goers are tough to stay for a weekend, especially if there's multiple conventions, and it's just like. There's no like kind of privacy. You're just kind of yeah. You're always on. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you get and the the older I get, I was like, oh, I'm not dealing with the the partiers, you know. <laughs> no, it's the worst. I need the quiet floor. The uh, right um, next on the list is one that you've covered, Robert. This is Thelma and Louise. This is uh, this is a great film. Uh, Brad Pitt. I think it's his first role, if I'm not mistaken. Not his first, but his first kind of breakout. And when I was alluding to earlier, he's the one that kind of ruined it for actors to come. So his his shirtless scenes and his abs. Oh uh, yeah. Literally, it became the new. Well, here he he raised the level of like, uh, yeah, if you're gonna be a hunk in a film, you're gonna have to really work out. So. <laughs> yeah, you you need to step up your game, actors. Forget talent. You need to be yeah. good looking. So Thelma's house shouldn't be too far from you. Ooh. I don't know where Palomino Drive is. I imagine it's in the hills somewhere. It is. And so, I don't know. I think I was the first one to find this many, many years ago. So, I kind of took it to myself to to go visit. And these pictures are from many years ago. But it looks not too different. Looks good. You're wearing a similar shirt, right? My Xanadu shirt, yeah. Oh, that's Xanadu. I thought that yeah. was Fangoria. <laughs> no, I am wearing, yeah, maybe it was. Maybe I visited in June. for. for I like that, it. So. Robert doesn't age, listeners. So, we don't know when it was taken. <laughs> this could have been taken... On set of the actual movie, like that day. And it, yeah, 1991. This is exactly what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Silver Bullet. This was in Long Beach. Um, yeah. Looks the same. Yeah, about the it same. Is it a feed I, store? It, it, I think it's actually a bar. I, and I just didn't get a good um, shot of that at the time. But I remember we were in a rush. So, And the uh, this is not too far from the psycho location. That one of the hotels they stay at where... Uh, uh, mm. She's at the pool, and if you look at the actual pool, it's not something you would even want to dip your toe in. But <laughs> I'm not sure how I found this one, but that looks disgusting. It is. <laughs> it's green water. Yeah, it was one of this is one of those locations. Like, let's get in and out of there in two minutes and move along. <laughs> it's an O'Connor Lodge that's operating. It's clearly open. So. It is open. So, but you're welcome. You're welcome to stay there. <laughs> You're welcome to stay there. But these are some good shots, though, and you did a good job. Toluca, Toluca Lake, California. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know where this is. I know Riverside. All right, I know Riverside Drive. But yeah. Um, so excellent this, shots. 
Thank you. What that one this? took me a little bit to find. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, duplexes, multiplexes that look like that, but um, I yeah. kind of figured it out from uh, where the highway or the freeway was um, to kind of go backwards. Oh, yeah. It's right up here. Yeah. Cool. Figueroa, Figueroa Street in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's closer it's to the downtown. Oklahoma Motel. This is a great movie, though. It still holds up. Uh, watch it if you haven't seen it. It's, it's really great. And when you talk about Hannibal, also directed by Ridley Scott, it goes back to kind of the cinematography, the music. Um, Thelma mm-hmm. Lewis obviously uses a, a lot of wide landscapes. And there's other set judges have done great work. They, they did uh, more expansive around uh, the uh, Arizona and Utah, I think, kind of where they shot uh, some of the more desert locations. But, um, but yeah, definitely worth I'm glad they've not remade this. It just seems like somebody's itching to remake this with some some tweens, but that's a really that good point. I could see a remake or somebody doing a TV series like on Netflix <laughs> or something. Yes. You know, even though I would actually wouldn't mind a if they somehow survived a uh, current Thelma and Louise that they, they are just now getting out of prison. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. That would actually be pretty cool. I, I wouldn't mind that little um, uh, four-part miniseries, so I'm just throwing no, it out there. Not at all. <laughs> They're starting production um, in August on a Wedding Crashers 2, which I don't know how you would do that in today's day and age with like the Me Too movement. Like, well, How would you do that again? And who's clamoring for that? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, it's probably... Well, Bradley Cooper in 2005 is different than Bradley Cooper in 2021. So I don't know if they could even get him again or if Christopher yeah. Walken would come back. Um, I think it was just, well, the original, Rachel McAdams, Isla Fisher, and, and yeah. uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson said they're, they're doing it. So uh, I don't know how you would pull that off. The only I, thing you could do is have the four of them like crash weddings but i don't think they're doing that I, I it'll be it's weird to see that's a movie i'm very surprised they would do a sequel especially you know 15 20 years later yeah and people are going to there's certain and there, there's going to be a whole generation like what's a wedding crash you know like what <laughs> right you're breaking and entering what is all this yeah, i love very crashers. Of, it's offended. it's such a funny it's a, one of my favorite comedies but it's you know a lot of the humor you couldn't really do again yeah of its for time. reasons um, Thelma and Louise still holds up. Next is Edward Scissorhands. This is another movie with very generic police cars that just say police <laughs> on them. And it's great because I love the Tim Burton aesthetics of it's anywhere town USA where yeah. everything's like one color and the building is like town hall, police, laundry. Um, and then there's the dark castle. Um, this movie, uh, it still holds up for me. It does. I'm going to go back to music again. I mean, mm. uh, Danny Elfman's like, th- when, it, when you think Edward Scissorhands, I don't know about you, the first thing I just start hearing the theme uh, in my head. And it has a great supporting cast. I think of all the neighborhood wives in the film, uh, you know, Kathy Baker and um, yeah, uh, Conchata Farrell. I mean, just, I mean, they make it. And Diane Weist, I think, is, uh, she was still becoming. Uh, uh, even more kind of well-known, uh, I think. And I, I still say lines. Avon Calling. Avon Calling? Yeah. <laughs> Let's play rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I always, you always win. <laughs> oh, oh, and Anthony Michael Hall. I always kind of forget that Yeah, he was the, the bad guy. He's, uh, who is it, Winona Ryder? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's Winona's boyfriend in the movie, yeah. right? Did you watch the? Uh, was it last year? With or the Super Bowl commercial, the Edward Scissorhands commercial with? Uh, yeah. Winona. Right, yeah, which I thought yeah. they did a pretty good job, and I did too. I was like, um, uh, what's his name, Timothy Chalamet? Oh, I can't remember. Um, yeah. Is uh, he made a pretty good Edward? So, yeah, yeah, it, they did a good job. Um, next is JFK. What a biopic! <laughs> Another Kevin Costner film. He well, geez, Kevin was just killing it. On fire in the nineties. Uh, so he was getting uh, ready for Waterworld. Is that how you end it? Like, and Tin Cup. Um, so this is one of my Oliver Stone favorites, um, and I think it goes back to the the cast. You know, we have Joe Pesci and uh, mm. Laurie Metcalf and Candy, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it still holds up. I I like the kind of beats and the uh, tick tock clock music uh, that keeps. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the movie going, um, Sissy Spacek. How could I forget her? Yeah, and ja- isn't Jack Lemmon in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jack Lemmon, John Candy. It's like Donald Sutherland as Mr. X. Donald Sutherland. Yeah. So you and I don't know about you. Like I'll catch this film and I forget. Like as we're, as we're talking now, like the amount of people uh, in this film, and there might just be one scene. I think Jack Lemmon was only in one scene. Um, but uh, and I know we've talked before the. The, the lady in the red raincoat mm. uh, from uh, from the the Dixie stop in uh, Maximum Overdrive. I can't remember her the actress's name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. she is in this. We did yeah. talk about that. It still so, yeah. holds up. It's still a great movie, um, but it is a work of fiction. There was no conspiracy. <laughs> I'm not. I a do have. I do have a theory on what actually happened, and I I think it was a Netflix documentary a few years ago. Um, kind of had a theory that I believed in most. I'll say that. Oh, on the Netflix documentary? Yeah. I just feel like <clears throat> there's never been any evidence that it was more than one shooter. Why is that? Hmm. They're just... I mean, Lee Harvey Oswald had a good day. Like, it was right there. I don't think. The, the Warren report didn't find anything. Yeah. You know, I just... I'm not... I just think he had a lucky day, Lee Harvey Oswald. But I will say that the the film is very well done. It's a, it's a really good movie. Especially the acting in it. Um, just the dialogue and the 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 monologues they give it's um it's great you should watch it next is boys in the hood this is uh ice cube um this is john singleton i believe this yeah first movie His first is it first <clears throat> first or first big one i can't remember now uh he was young i mean he yeah. might have even been like a teenager or early 20s but um this yeah i this still holds up for me i th- still think it's a great movie and it's a retrospect of you know crime in the inner city in the early 90s and you know inequality and stuff like that um i feel like this movie was ahead of its time and it's still shot and you know really well and editing absolutely so i would agree on that and uh, i haven't re- revisited it in a while but i think i sh- i kind of feel like i should so i know i do know people uh people have visited these locations but they've been uh they're still in an area where they just kind of uh, pictures out the window and move on true uh, next is they saved the best for last. <laughs> Freddy's dead, the final nightmare. And I, before I ever met Robert, I found his site and I went through his stuff and I saw this. And to this day, I still laugh at what you wrote on the top of your entry. I the promos continually touted they saved the best for last, which was a total lie. I'm not sure who, to, who was to blame for this fiasco, 
But I distinctly remember <laughs> sitting in the theater during the credits, saddened at how far the franchise had fallen. And I read this before I even like met you, Robert, and I was like, oh, this guy's pissed. He is mad. And it's so funny. And it, you're right. This was a colossal letdown. Well, you have to imagine, you know, as a 14-year-old seeing the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and you're kind of going through the, the everything. And obviously, the uh, year or two before, we had Jason Takes Manhattan. And you're like, you, you kind of watch your icons fall. And it's probably, it's probably the equivalent of watching, you know, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And you're like, what the hell <laughs> is this? You know, like... <laughs> What am I watching? But uh, but yeah, so I remember in the theater, and it was the uh, they, the last part was in 3D, and uh, and yeah, right away you're just I kept like, well, this isn't this isn't the same universe. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like a scary movie. And there's there's a scene in particular I remember. They, they're in the dream world, and Freddy's playing with the video game or whatever, and the characters. I think she she, she looks over and she goes, "Is that him?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Is that him? Yeah, that just to kind of casually, like you know, is that the waitress? You know, like what? <laughs> is that? <laughs> oh, What's he gonna say? Something scary. So. <laughs> Did they use? Okay, so um, the, the final Friday, uh, Jason's dead. Is that the name? The official name? Uh, J- yes. No, I Jason know. goes to hell. The final Jason Friday. Goes to hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't use um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth in the title for licensing. Correct. In this, they didn't use Nightmare on Elm Street. Was that because a different studio did it? I don't know. I think it was still it was still New Line. So okay. New Line kind of wanted to put the nail in the coffin that they had been going downhill. Just kind of like uh, Paramount kind of wanted to just, you know keep ending. At a certain point, they're like, we're not getting the the bang for our buck, so it's no longer worth to kind of keep churning this out. So maybe that's why they did it. it yeah. This came out before Jason Goes to Hell, but um, I, this at the time, was it critically like, Bad and commercially panned. Like, how did that work? It did. I don't. Yeah, it didn't do very well, and that's enough. Where I think that's where, like, if if it did well, they would still be making them, or they would have made another one right away. But and they did not. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. So if you're looking at locations, they of course go to the often used Franklin Canyon Reservoir uh, to shoot some scenes. So if you go further up this street, this is where the final chapter kids were driving to the cabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've talked about this before. This is cool. Uh, yeah, check it out on Robert's page as well. Um, this was used, this is it, Friday the 13th final chapter, around the bend here. And that same building was used in American Horror Story. That Behind that was the, the gas station. Oh, really? Yeah, for American Horror Story 1984. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wonder if that was intentional or just an easy location. I think, I think it was an easy location, so. That's pretty cool. This is the clock tower on the USC campus. Yep. Know where that is. Uh, another good shot is in Studio City, Agnes and Woodbridge Street. This is the house. Is this the scene? No, I'm thinking of a different scene. These are kind of the movies just so scene. good. I just forget which <laughs> scenes are great because they're all so amazing. They are. This one is actually. They did kind of go to a studio, but obviously there's some kind of real world uh, shots they did, and so, uh, so they, they did shoot at Universal Studios, and um, and this this uh, kind of cul-de-sac eventually became Wisteria Lane from Desperate Housewives. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, luckily, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was able to kind of get some video shots uh, from a long mm-hmm. time ago to kind of kind of match it up. But all this was torn down, so now we have uh, generic houses for everybody to look at. I remember seeing that when I went on the tour last year, right before the pandemic. They discussed that. They didn't mention this movie, though, but they did yeah, mention they did. Desperate Housewives. <laughs> They weren't like, hey, here's where Freddy's Dead was filmed. And everyone's like, stop the van. 
<laughs> Stop the ride. You know, they honestly, I was on a tour where they did mention that. Good. Uh, yeah. And it, but I think they just said the Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm like, I remember at oh. the time, I'm like, well, they didn't, I know they did not shoot Elm Street yeah. here. But, but Oh, yeah. But they just wanted to crowbar that in for people yeah. that didn't know, like, yep, this was filmed here. No, it but, wasn't. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so of course I'm a completist, and so um, of course. And the the shelter is the uh, Lacey Street Studios, um, which is also mm -hmm. used in quite a bit, uh, most uh, memorably for horror fans for Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> a friend with weed is a friend indeed. <laughs> See, it has memorable that. lines. It does. Yeah, it has some some good yeah. ones. Oh, that's uh, right. I I went out to Arletta, uh, not Arletta. Um, Artesia, California, for this, for the oh, yeah. uh, his house, uh, Freddie's original house is long gone. It was replaced with the McMansion, but you can still see the the water tower. No, oh, that's cool. You got that. Wait, this was the house you're talking about? Yeah. So I was able to find when uh, the house was for sale. I was able to find some uh, shots, um, but now um, I might have put a picture of what the house looks like now um, and a little bit later, but. Uh, like a lot of LA, yeah, it's just replaced with something. Uh... Replaced with something more grand and expensive. Yes. <laughs> what was the scene about again, where she's in the basement? She, uh, that's the his wife, uh, uh, coming out, and she realizes that he killed her daughter or something like that. I can't remember, but right. Yeah, Alice Cooper played his dad, so. This is Alice Cooper. No, um, no. Oh, that's... I think that's a different scene. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a big Elm Street fan, obviously, and I can't even remember what. Uh, <laughs> well, this this movie is you're probably mentally trying to block it out. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, they still did not go back to the original Elm Street house, so they have mm. across the sheets uh, across the street shots from somewhere completely different. And uh, I'm yeah. not even sure how I found this because it was kind of a random street. You did. You probably matched it up with your expertise. Somehow I did so. This, but, now this this is Lacey Studi Street Studios. You've yeah. you've had this in a few other movies, right? Yeah, so it shows up um, actually quite often that um, uh, the Saw was filmed here. So mm, if you yeah, kinda look over to the uh, the right of the picture. That's where the actual Saw was, uh, where he was the bathroom was. But um, so La Cagney and Lacey shot almost all their seasons here. Uh, feud uh, with Jessica Lange and Susan Sarandon was shot oh, here. Oh, right, the yeah. Studios. Um, so it's it's used quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so luckily I got to get inside and, and take lots of photos too. This is located, uh, is, I don't know where Lacey Street is. Is that It's downtown? kind of outside of downtown. Yeah, so just kind of uh, on the fringe, kind of north of Chinatown. Okay, cool. And here's you with, uh, what is this? This is not Robert England. It is Robert England in makeup. Oh, so. wow. No way. Uh, he's only done it twice. So um, if you look at the picture, he's trying to cut some of my neck fat out. That's so cool. <laughs> he actually was in makeup there. He did. So that was a costly photo. But I thought, oh, you know what? This is a once-in-a-lifetime uh, thing. So Yeah. Yeah, if you could do it. And, I mean, that's iconic. Uh, next on the list of uh, honorable mentions is Highlander 2. <laughs> I never saw this, but you said how bad it is. And how they ruined the original. It did. I mean, I, I was a fan of Highlander. And The Quickening came out. Same thing I remember in the theater. Like, you know, I feel like it's one of those where you bring your friends. Like, yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs> and your friends are like, what the hell did you bring us to? Come on. You know. What is so bad about it? Do they, uh, is it just everything is 
just a mess or it's a mess they kind of retcon some things and now Ugh. instead of this kind of mythology there are aliens from outer space or uh, as most aliens are um but uh Gross. and they found a way to bring sean connery back and i was just yeah to the point it got so bad that they became there was a, a new cut the renegade cut that was released which might be slightly better but it's still just not good it's not hold wait sean connery died though in highlander well he's in highlander too <laughs> he's back yeah <laughs> i mean i'm not against suspending belief to bring people back for movies it happens all the time but yeah i don't know if highlander was the one they needed to do a sequel to no or if they did I'd, again i haven't seen this film but just from what you're saying with the aliens and everything, like no. it sounds like it's another movie altogether. It is. There's no Queen soundtrack, and it's just it's just a mess. Next is Vanilla Ice in Cool as Ice. I remember the line in the movie, "Yo, that's not my bike. That's my homeboy's bike." And then the guy goes, "Homeboy, this!" And then he goes to hit Ice uh, Vanilla Ice with a bat, and Ice of Vanilla Ice catches it and beats up the guy with the bat. <laughs> I, I've only seen this once. As a kid, I, I think I rented it from Blockbuster like as soon as it came out. And that I, was it. I think I've only seen it once, too. So. <laughs> so what we're trying to say is it holds up and it's the best movie of 1991. Uh, I got to see your blog entry on this. Um, this is in Glendora. Yeah, so I went all the way. Yeah, who knows? So obviously I've seen the movie because uh, I did go <laughs> out uh, to these locations and got screenshots and Great job. Tried to locate these houses, but um, and I honestly I can't remember where Glendora is. But I've yeah, well, I've heard of it. I heard it's nice there. It looks nice. It looks kind of like a Sierra Madre mm -hmm. kind of area. Um, but here's some great shots. Uh, these I do remember. Yeah, I, I mean I remember like a little bit of the movie, but I, I don't think it, it was memorable. No, if, and there, there's Glendora's not. Of being overran by fans, uh, no, <laughs> going to these locations. But I'm glad that you covered Cool as Ice. You're probably the only person that ever did that, and it's cool. Like it's there. <laughs> there there's other people that have, I'm sure. But and there's a little bit of Madonna tie. He was he was in the sex book as well. There you go. Yeah, this is a cool shot. All roads lead to Madonna. They do. Yeah, she's the modern day Rome. <laughs> um, Vanilla Ice star faded very quickly. Uh, after 1991, it was like overnight he went away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he kind of knew it. That's why he, he did a movie, Ninja <laughs> Turtles, in like a year, and that was it. And then like no more albums like done. It's smart enough. You know, you see that in the movies where people are like, take the money while you can. I'm like, you should. The, you, the, any actor's shelf life or uh, even musicians at some point, the, their shelf life is limited. Uh, the very lucky few, the one percent, do kind of go on, and and uh, but that that's just not a reality for for everybody. No, their star fades very quickly, as you know. And also, Kevin Costner is a good example of that he's always, you know, moral moralized in film and 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 things that he's done. But he didn't have the lasting legacy like a Tom Hanks or a Harrison Ford, where he's not doing. He hasn't done these mockbusters in twenty years that people are yeah. going to see. He just, uh, shows up as a Superman's stepdad. Right. I do like him in that, where he's just like, should, should I just have let them die? Maybe. Really? Maybe? You would let the bus of kids die, Kevin? Come on. 
Oh, you know, I would love Maybe. to see um, Man of Steel, but with the JFK soundtrack. Ooh. It would add a whole new tension level. Man of Steel. <laughs> you know, wow. the bus flashback scene, but with the JFK soundtrack. Yeah, It'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. Maybe splice in some extra lines, like oh, overdubbed like, over saying, They never found the bus, and they're like... <laughs> you, they never found the bus. What happened? He let him die. What do you expect? Um... You 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 still have a lot of old entries on the old uh, site, Robert. We need I to do. get some interns to migrate them over. Yeah, cool as ice is not. We'll have to look for that anniversary date to see when I should migrate that one over. Stepfather is this week. You released this is one of your favorites. This is not 1991. I just want to promote this really quickly. Yeah, obviously it didn't make the top ten in 1987, so it was end up being obviously kind of a video hit because it garnered some sequels and a remake, but uh, this was shot in Vancouver, and uh, but my website has kind of more of the locations. I'm a little, I was actually just doing those this morning, and I was a little upset because I'm like, there's locations I haven't been to yet that I found, uh, but uh, I need to get back to Vancouver and do those. Yeah, we need, we need you to go back on tour and get these. Stepfather was good. It, I saw it on, you know, when it was on TV, and it was scary. It was disturbing. It was yeah. a good movie. Enjoy it. Okay, that includes our uh, list of films of 1991. But before we go, Can't Look Away. These are mo- bad movies that we still watch to this day. And Robert, what do you have this week? I, I have a tie again. I always have a tie. There's two that uh, <laughs> that always come to mind. I'm like, oh, I can't not watch it if it's on. And there's two in particular. So first is Hudson Hawk, which I'm sure you're aware of this movie. I've seen Hudson Hawk. With... Bruce Willis, and uh, and it's well known to being kind of a fiasco of a movie. Yeah. Um, and I go back to like, do I have this movie in my collection? Yes. And do I spout lines from it? Yes. Um, in particular, Sander Bernhard's lines. <laughs> one million and one, Waldo. <laughs> she is good. I mean, one hundred. But yeah, it is. I've seen Hudson Hawk. It's been a while though. Um, it is really <laughs> bad though, right? Like it's fun? Is it? It's is it? It's an acquired taste. So it is, it's not. Okay. It's not made uh, badly. It's just like it's like oh this. You look at and most people look. I'm like, how did this get greenlit? And obviously, Bruce Willis wanted to kind of see this happen. And it's still has some funny lines. Anytime Xanadu is mentioned, so anytime Xanadu oh, yeah. is kind of called out, yeah, you can't go wrong there. And what's your other film? Is Delirious? Delirious. Now, are you? You should be familiar with this film. It sounds familiar. Let me just figure out what John this is. Candy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is John Candy. This is him as the... Um, soap the opera writer. Soap opera writer. There's actually a brilliant um, <laughs> concept, really. Like yeah. The story itself, where he, he lives the show he created. Yeah, and he, he, he becomes into the... He goes into the show, and it goes kind of back to some great kind of comedic performances. And, yeah. And... Uh, I think is it Raymond Burr in this that one I think too I can't remember, but I remember he's constantly writing yeah. and stuff like that. I remember he's like, "I've got to go home right now." The cable company's knowing you how they are. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. It's a yeah. It's it's a it's a bad movie, but it's um it's a fun ride, and some of the performances are really good. And I'm biased towards John Candy, but this was in that weird period, like towards the end of John Candy's life, where he was still doing movies. But the movies industry was changing, and he wasn't really like changing with it. He was still kind of doing like the heavy set guy and the comedy. Yeah. Um, so he had some misses later. Most of the films he did later in his life, unfortunately, didn't 
don't hold up well. But uh, yeah, I'll still watch this movie. It's still fun. Yeah. And it has a little, obviously, Superman 4 tie because uh, Mariel Hemingway is the lead actress in this one. And and yeah. she bumps into Margot Kidder in the bathroom. So, which obviously, they were together on Superman 4. So I thought it was nice. It's she nice was touch. probably giving Margot a job, which is nice. Superman 4 is available on HBO Max if you have plans, Ooh. don't have plans tonight. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be washing my hair, but otherwise. Yeah, I can't. Thank do you that. for letting me know. Uh, and my Can't Look Away is nothing but trouble. Oof. Arguably the worst movie ever. And I think the only movie Chevy Chase directed. Let me confirm. But it has all the right actors in it. It's just so weird and creepy. But I will still watch it because it's just so ridiculous. Is that the one where they're in that heavy makeup? Uh, yep. Okay. They're in a house, and then yeah. there's, a, uh, there's a judge played by an aging Dan Aykroyd. They fall to the basement with a bunch of skulls. It doesn't know what it wants to be. A dream sequence, a horror film, uh, a comedy. It's, it's pretty bad. Oh, Dan Aykroyd directed it. It's the only oh, movie okay. that Dan Aykroyd directed. <laughs> you give it a shot. This was you get, it. You get the one William Shatner shot direct. Uh, it's this so is, bad. This is, and it was a massive bomb, too. It only brought in $8 million despite having... Uh, Demi Moore, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase. Like, they just couldn't bring people in the theater for this. Not, not even an opening weekend, obviously. They even threw, like, Digital Underground, the rap group, and Tupac, who was, like, starting off at the yeah. time in this movie at the end, just to, like, boost, you know, <laughs> appeal to an African American demographic. Like, let's just throw the biggest rap group right now in the end. And they did, like, a music video and everything. Um, and nothing. 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 So, but obviously, you put Madonna this as a produced this. Uh, you can't look away, though. Yeah, you can't. Why, look, why? Why can't you look away? I guess is my because it's John Candy as a dog and as women, um, dressed up as a dog and as as a woman in there, and it has um, Dan Aykroyd as a hundred. I think he's like a hundred and ten years old or something like that. Which is his actual age right now. Um, which is his actual age. Um, and it's just it's just funny to watch. Like it's unintentionally funny that it's so bad it's funny kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, but I, Madonna, I think, produced something with this movie. I think it was a soundtrack or something. What? Oh, really? Oh, but maybe she had Ma some tie to it. Maverick yeah. Records, maybe or something. So. Oh sure no, she, she had. Um, there was a cover song of, of "Get Over." I don't know if that's one of her songs. But she produced that for this album. I knew gotcha. they, there was some plug. And they also did um, Michael Kamen. They got him to like do a song. So gotcha. they, they put a lot of like money into production. It just nothing stuck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing but trouble. If you haven't seen it, don't watch it. Save yourself the time. <laughs> just say you did. Uh, what's Delirious again, though? Oh, that's the John Candy one. We talked yeah. about that. Okay. Um, all right. So I think that's going to be our show, unless you have anything else that's that's on your, your conscience that you like to get off. No. Uh, 91 ended up being an okay year, obviously. with We got Silence of the Lambs and Truth or Dare and Orion yeah. Studios was still in business. Orion Pictures, rather. I still miss Orion. They had some great films. Uh, yeah, it used to be get excited when you see the Orion yeah. circle and they're like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> Yeah, like, this is exciting. This is what you want. This is what you want to see. Yeah. Uh, very, I think, kind of an uneven top ten, though. I mean, I, I'm, 
I guess surprising, I should say, that like, uh, I mean, Adam's Family, Silence of the Lambs, I can see that. Terminator 2, obviously, but I figured like JFK and Hook would have been above Hot Shots. But they weren't. Think, but obviously, unlike the '80s, they kind of studios kind of realize that like uh, <laughs> the quality of film does not dictate the box office. So, if we're going no. after box office, uh, what is <laughs> what is going to work? And if yes. you they they they're more open to throwing more at the wall uh, than they need to, and hence like stuff like Nothing But Trouble gets made because they're like, well, the odds are if that fails, Hot Shots is gonna. <laughs> Uh, bring in more than that, and it's going to uh, help yeah. pay for some other films that we wanted to do. But it's a good point. It's going to carry them. And a movie like Nothing But Trouble, if that were just pitched, I mean, it, on paper, it's like a terrible script. But you got Dan Aykroyd and your buddies in there. Like they're going to make anything. Yeah, and that that goes kind of like where that that old system may probably just not work anymore. Where uh, they can get those films pushed through. Nowadays, I don't think. Studio. Unless it's Adam oh, Sandler yeah. and his five buddies going on or, vacation. Yeah. Or Tom Cruise, maybe. I don't know. But maybe. Tom, Tom Cruise at least has business sense. So. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Uh, I, I skipped over Point Break. I, I, I don't know. Ah. Missed that. That's still, that still holds up for me. What, what say you? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Robot Chicken has one of my favorite Point Break clips uh, <laughs> in it, too. So, um, yeah. Th- there's pieces of it that hold up. Uh, Lori, Lori Petty is in that, which she always kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. She was t- Tank Girl was fan. She was great as fan- fantastic. A League Tank of Their Girl. Own, uh, yeah, League of Their Own, and there's other films that she just kind of like feels kind of mis like she's kind of overacting. Where uh, if you're overacting next to Keanu Reeves, that kind of says something. It does it. Yeah, she does stick out like a sore thumb in this. Um, and I, I think, think she- they could have gotten somebody different that looked different. That would, she, I don't think she would be hanging out with Keanu Reeves. Like I didn't buy that whole. I didn't think she would be surfing. I, I'm not buying that. Yeah, and I think kind of that's part of it. But you know, Patrick yeah. Swayze uh, and the gang, and uh, and I did watch the remake, <laughs> which was not. Oh as, no, I tr- I couldn't watch it. Yeah. I did like I the opening. I think I just. I, I like the opening scene of the remake. Freaked me out with the motorcycles on the uh, kind of impossible yeah. Uh, yeah, cliffs. Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, obviously it's not as compelling to, as as the original version. No, Point Break is one of those movies. I feel like this and Big Lebowski. A lot of people are like, "Yeah, it's the best movie ever." Like Point Break. I'm like, "Is it? Is that your bar?" <laughs> like Big Lebowski is a fun movie, but yeah. whenever someone's like, "Ah, oh, it's the greatest," you're like, "It's not. It's not the greatest. It's, it's fun, it, but there's it like is. better films." But we should also. On one hand, I think we should uphold Point Break because it's directed by Catherine Bigelow when, uh, one, mm. women still aren't getting to direct, uh, no. let alone direct high-action films, and that's kind of what she uh, is known for um, and won an Oscar for, I think. Um, for she Hurt won an Oscar, Locker, right? Yeah. Uh, was, it, think, yeah I, was that I, Hurt Locker? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I kind of mixed up some of those war movies. But, um, but yeah, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll still give it kudos for that as an, a good honorable mention. I I agree. Yeah, and she she is a great director and kind of broke away from the mold of old Hollywood and set a new bar. So yeah, Point Break's still a fun movie. Still like Gary Busey, and I still like the Dead Presidents. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I used to get confused. I don't know. I, I watched it not too long ago, and I couldn't remember who the who the bad guy was. <laughs> yeah. At one point, I was like, "Where's this going?" I can't remember. Yeah, what's happening? Yeah. I just remember. I remember the key action scenes. Typ- typical movie goer. Yeah. No, me too. I, I, yeah. How's the story? It's okay. There's an action scene with a bank. <laughs> that's that's great. I remember because he's eating a sandwich. He's not paying attention. I was like, "What are you doing, man? You only have one job." <laughs> Yeah, he's always. What's with the sandwich? Well, that's it. Just felt like overdone. I was like, "That's like, is he the bad guy? Is that why he's not paying attention?" Yeah, you don't. It, it's you don't know what's happening. Um, next on next episode, we're going to discuss the highest gro- grossing films of 1992, which will include, I believe, A League of Their Own. So we'll be able to talk about hmm. this. Used to be my playground. <laughs> again, again. I watched it. The video again. The turn uh, pages video. Yeah, at the time, it, that's it's pretty cool. It, it was kind of big deal. I was like, "How they do that? I don't know." She's on a photo that's moving. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. At the time, you're like, "What's going on?" Um, think, not in the movie, but during the video, this was kind of the Madonna's non-eyebrows uh, era, I, which I was not a fan oh, of. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the non-eyebrows. <laughs> I, I feel like the melody of the song is good, and it's a. Uh, but it, it, it's it's hurt. By an early '90s synthesizer opening, the dun dun dun. It would have been a piano or just um, a real instrument today. Yeah. The '90s synth, like I feel, hurts a lot from that era. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be good to talk about that and kind of the controversy that even surrounded Madonna's casting and uh, the ridiculous yeah. still surrounds that. But but because she was yep. so racy robert she was yeah. kids can't be watching that because it's sexual <laughs> can't, can't even be thinking about looking at madonna on the screen you can't do that there <laughs> we'll was a lot of controversy about that there was so we'll, we'll save all that juicy stuff for next time all right that'll be our show robert thank you for coming on today and doing another show likewise good to see you good to see you as well my friend join us next time and listen to all the shows for free on itunes spotify podbean and iHeartRadio, and recently on pandora so you millennials out there listening to your stations at your work, you can hear our sexy voices discuss movies. Check out Robert setdashjetter.com and on Instagram. Thank you for listening to the show. Good night and Godspeed, everybody.